All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to Real Life, a podcast from the Nation Network. I got 50, I got 50 for days. Brought to you by Finning Canada, the parts you need when you want them. Welcome back to another edition of the Real Life podcast brought to you by Finning Canada. All the parts you need in one place, the right parts for your equipment. Finning Canada, I'm Jason Greger, Jason Strudwick. Wanye Gretz. What's uh, the happening? First time upright in a week with the uh, orders in the playoffs still. I'm in the radio station. I'm a celebrity. <laughs> I'm a big deal. Everybody bring me things to eat and drink. Yeah. And uh, we have a very special guest, uh, easily the most prolific scoring guest we've ever had on the show. People probably forget, but uh, he holds a record that's never going to be broken in the Western Hockey League. He had 212 points in 63 WHL games, including 76 goals and 136 assists. Plus, for fun, he had 101 penalty winnings, which means he had uh, nine misconducts. And uh, uh, we're not sure. Uh, Rob Brown joins us. Robbie, how you doing? I'm doing good. And yeah, it was actually eight misconducts, <laughs> one fight, and I think I got a mis- uh, penalty by mistake at one point. Too, so. <laughs> now, 212 points, man, in 63 games. Like, I don't care what, like, no one's come close to that. No one's ever coming close to that. Do you have a plaque at least in your house that says 212 points? Well, I had my wife get a tattoo on her shoulder <laughs> that says it, but I don't know. I got no plaque. It was kind of neat when I beat it. Uh, the, the record that I beat was Cliff Ronnings, and he had 199. And the night I broke it, Cliff Ronning actually sent a letter to the arena, and they, they read the letter out loud during the game. Awesome. Different days, hey? Yep. 
carrier pigeon showed up and he had a scroll tied to his ankle and the parchment was read by the emperor. And then he gave a thumbs up to the arena and no one was beheaded that day. No, that's awesome. It is awesome. It is, I, I'm old. Uh, we didn't. My first cell phone was from the Pittsburgh Penguins, and it was one of those big packs that you carried around. So you had to carry what, the pack in one hand, the phone with a wire attached to, to the other hand. So I mean, that might be a little bit before your guys' time. That's how old I am. And that five thousand dollar bill was paid cash every month, no problem. <laughs> Brown, you know what blows me? I'm looking at your stat line. That year, you got the two hundred twelve pounds. Greg Hogg at a D-man had hundred and twenty three points, like. 30 goals, 93 assists. That is ridiculous stats for, for any level of a D. Well, I, I'm pretty sure, well, I mean, a lot of our points, we had a very good power play, and I played defense with Greg Hoggett, and I think our power play that year clicked at over 40 45%. <laughs> so we, we were pretty good. And Mark Recchi was my line mate for, for half of the season that year too. So we had, a, we had a very good team, and we had Ken Hitchcock as a coach, and Hitch kind of let us do what we wanted to do. And because of that, we had a lot of success offensively. Now, did, when did you get injured that year? Because you only played five games in the playoffs. Uh, the last game of the season, we went to New Westminster. And I remember telling Hitch, I didn't want to go. I hated playing in New Westminster. <laughs> they were terrible. And all they wanted to do was hurt me. The game meant nothing. And Hitch said that I owed it to the fans to go to New Westminster. And I went. And halfway through the third period, I had a breakaway. Got tripped on the breakaway. Went into the boards. And... Uh, got a high ankle sprain that kept me. I was on crutches for the first round and the first couple games of the second round, but we fell behind in the series, so I had to come back and try and play, but it wasn't good enough, and unfortunately we lost. Uh, and probably that was the best team that we'd ever had in Kamloops, but we ran into injuries at the wrong time. Well, I don't think it was the best team you've had in Kamloops. <laughs> like, let's let's get best, serious. I was on in Kamloops. Oh, the, uh, yeah, the, you were on, after, yeah. The... After I left... There was some pretty good teams I hear. <laughs> you I, were there. I, I remember. I remember growing up as a young boy watching Strud's play. I would go watch the <laughs> games. He was one of my heroes. He used to have a Jason Strudwick sweater when I was just a wee little boy. Made of wool. <laughs> <laughs> now, Brownie, you're an offense, you know, a highly offensive guy. He scored 49 goals, had 115 points one year in the NHL. He had 33 another year. A lot in the IHL. You know, you had 155 points and 143 points. And then you, you came back and kind of had to change who you were as a player in the NHL. And I asked because right now, Oiler fans are very perplexed. They're watching Jordan Everly, who, who was a very gifted scorer in a time where not a lot of guys score. And right now, he's not, only, he's not even creating anything. As a bonafide scorer, what, what's lacking in his game? What do you see that he has to change? Uh, the willingness, I think, is the biggest one. I think that when you're a certain type of player and always have been that player and they've asked you to do another role, you've got to be willing to do it. And it's, it, 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 it's not easy. It's not easy making the change. It's not easy giving up some of the uh, excitement of being that go-to guy. But you also got to understand where you're needed on a team. And when I came back and there was no spot for me, we had Yager and Strack and Kovalev and all these great offensive players if I wanted to play in the NHL again, I had to become a different player. So I think Jordan, he, he, right now he's in that crossroads. I think he believes he can be a pro prolific scorer at this level, but he's in a position where he's not going to get that number one PP time. He's not going to get the, the number one minutes that, that uh, is now going to a dry settle. So he's got to be willing to do it. 
And you've seen over the course of the year, Nugent Hopkins has slowly turned into the player and accepted that role. And now he's playing really well because he understands what his role is. I think Jordan has just got to be willing to, to move into that position and become that player. And if he does, I mean, it's, being a checker is not hard. It's just willing to do the hard work and do the little things. It, it's easier than being a scorer because they don't count on you to put puck in the net. So I think he's got the ability to do it. He's just got to have the willingness. You know, every skill player I play with always said to me, you know, Stratty, I got to cheat a little bit to get some offense. I got to cheat a little bit to, to, to get these shots off. I mean, cause I think that where he's at in his career, I think there are expectations. He still does need to score. Can he balance the two out with his skill set? I think he can. I mean, nobody's complaining about Nugent Hopkins right now. And the Nugent is not, he's not putting the puck in the net with any regularity, but he, they're showing, he's showing a battle level. And that's being appreciated by the fans when he's going head to head against Getzlaff or last year he's head to head against Thornton. So He's got the willingness. I think as an offensive player, you do cheat. And all offensive players do go all the way back to Wayne Gretzky. We, we call it cheating, but offensive players call it anticipating. They're anticipating the ball. <laughs> gonna balance. So you're going to go yeah. into an area that you're probably not supposed to be in. Uh, Jordan's going to have to get there. He, anybody that is in Edmonton right now wants to be part of this thing going forward. Because it's something special when you got Talbot, Nett, and McDavid and Drysaddle up front and a young, good defense. This team is going to be a playoff team and a Stanley Cup contending team for years. So now you've got to make that decision. If I want to be part of this, I'm going to have to do what they want me to do. Or I can move on and maybe be a scorer somewhere else, but it might be in, in, in Arizona or, or a team that is not going any further. So I think, I think he'll figure it out. It'd be good if for the Oilers in their playoff run if he was figured out sooner because if that second line can produce just a little bit while not cheating, just think about how much farther this team could go. It's anticipating, by the way, not cheating. <laughs> we don't say cheating over here. Yeah, because when I hear a player say that, I'm anticipating a two-on-one coming at me or a three-on-two. <laughs> now, Robbie, I think uh, you know a lot of people maybe remember your career, you know, the huge prolific numbers, but you then left the NHL and uh, we're still in the IHL. I think you spent four years there and you played three NHL games in that time with uh, Dallas and L.A., and you were still a high-scoring guy there. But when you went back to Pittsburgh, you said, okay, it was my decision. But did the coach sit you down? Did one of the skill guys say, hey, you can help us? Because with your skill, you can still, you know, third-line guys are, and fourth-line guys or second-line guys are still going to get an opportunity. And they're like, hey, you can finish. Like, when did you just learn? Because in junior, you never had to play defense. You probably didn't even have to learn how to check. How did you suddenly learn how to check, uh, you know, later in your career? Well, I, I went to Pittsburgh's training camp thinking that they needed an offensive player. I, <laughs> I remember getting interviewed with uh, Dave Molinari was with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette there, and he said, you know, why do you think Pittsburgh brought you here? And I, I actually said, well, I don't think it was for my defense. And I was giggling about it, and then I got called in the next day after it was in the paper, and Kevin Constantine goes, all right, Brownie, I, I know what your resume says, but let's look at who we have playing ahead of you. And he goes, Yarmir? We got Kovalev, we got Straka, we got Robert Lang. He went on and on. He goes, you ain't going to make it here as a goal scorer. So you've got to make the decision. Next day in practice, I became a checker. And I, 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 it's, as I said before, it's not hard being a checker. It's just willing to do it, willing to do the hard work, willing to be the back checker, staying high, giving up those and 
anticipating the pucks going one way and being on the right side defensively, blocking shots, all the things that most skilled players don't like doing. I, I had a choice. I could do that in the National Hockey League for three more years, or I could go be a goal scorer in the minors. And it was a pretty simple choice for me because I wanted to be back in the best league in the world. I want to take you back to uh, game uh, game three. Uh, the Oilers, I know that they, they had a, not a great start uh, to to the game two, but uh, Talbot helps them out get the win. And then you look at uh, game three; they come out and right away the Anaheim Ducks run a sick off the uh, defensive zone uh, playoff or uh, play off that draw. They get the win or to Kessler. Kessler fires a bullet up. I mean, that is uh, you've been around hockey a long time. Have you ever seen that type of a breakout play used? I have on my son Ben's team. We used it all the time, and it, and it did work, but it was working against a 14- or a 13-year-old defenseman on the other team. An NHL defenseman's got to figure out when the winger goes flying by you, there's probably a reason why he's leaving the zone. <laughs> it's not like, hey, where's that guy? Where's Raquel going? Oh, yeah, that's right. They're going to make a long pass to him. So I have seen it used a ton in peewee and bantam hockey. I have never seen it used in the National Hockey League, and that is just two defensemen sleeping at the beginning of the game. Now, the play was set. Most set plays don't come to fruition because everything has to go right. But the Anaheim Ducks know they're going to win every faceoff. They know that uh, once they win a faceoff, they win it so clean, they're going to have time to make a play. And then an absolute – I mean, the goal was nice. The pass was better. Brian Getzlaff, 150-foot pass, stick to stick. It doesn't get better than that, but that is an Oiler team that uh, was sleepy at the start and just got caught napping completely in what turned out to be a huge play because Anaheim took the, the incredible atmosphere, the incredible fans out of the game 25 seconds into it. Yeah, Getzlaff's pass, uh, phenomenal. He has been uh, incredible in this series. Now, I want to have some more uh, story time with you, Robbie, because uh, we like to have guys in real life podcast to, to have some fun stories. And you played in Pittsburgh. Uh, you played with the greatest organization ever, at least with their logo, the uh, Hartford Whalers. Although the, the, the only bad thing for you to come out of Hartford, Rob, was your uh-huh. your profile picture on Hockey I, DB. Oh boy, oh, I the circus worst picture ever! Like seriously, <laughs> it looks like I just got out of the drunk tank, and it was picture day with the Hartford Whalers. Like, seriously, well, you look like Bill Murray in Kingpin. Your hair hey, does. Well, no, it's not flattering. Well, the best part is that picture, exact picture. I think is hanging up in Aikensdale Arena in St. Albert. <laughs> a million pictures taken to me over my career and i've got that picture and all the kids that i teach hey look there's coach brown Ooh, he had a rough night <laughs> <laughs> where was your roughest night in the nhl after my a roughest? game um la i had a few rough nights in la i remember one night somehow my passport and wallet and everything was stolen during my rough night and we had to fly to canada the next day and I couldn't get into the country because I had no ID. So that was a rough night that turned into a rough morning that turned into a really rough meeting with my coach. And they were practicing and I was still at the border. But They look your name I, up, see the photo of the whalers. They're like, no, 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 this guy's not coming in anywhere. Uh, yeah, I had a lot of, I don't know if they were rough nights, but I, there's no better city uh, in pro sports than Montreal. Oh. And there's no better place to go in the world than Montreal when you're traveling with Mario Lemieux. 
It was, I mean, Montreal's great, but when you're a sidekick of Mario Lemieux, it is like, oh, my God, they just opened up Candyland. Come on in, kids. Take all the candy you want. You're Mario's friend, so you're our friend, too. I can't imagine what candy stands for in that analogy. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. Here's a Ferrari. <laughs> anyone, anyone with Mario can Pop, have one. Pop rocks. Exactly. Yeah, Pop Actual rock. candy. Yeah, big Turks. Those are the days. Uh, well, what's what's? Oh, a, actually, the, you know, I do have one okay, quick, because ahead, yeah. uh, uh, Wayne Wayne uh, McBean told me a story about the uh, World Juniors, Rob, about uh, when when there was a team meeting and uh, your coach uh, showed up or didn't show up at the meeting, and uh, you and Greg Hoggett specifically, along with some other guys, had to save him from his hotel room. True story. True story. When we were in Russia, the hotel rooms were really, really small. Like, like I, Dan Curry was my roommate, and when we laid in bed, if one of us turned, we'd bang into the guy in the bed beside him. It's like so small. <laughs> a few things spring and to we, mind there, but I'll <laughs> let him go because he had 212 points. I got another good story about that before I finish. But we, we, so we played all our games like cards and Monopoly and everything outside in the hallways because there was no room in the room. So in the middle of one of our games, we just hear this scream, Brownie, Brownie, Hoggy, come here. And it, it was Hitch. So we went running down to his room, and he's like, hey, help me, help me. We look, and Hitch was stuck in the tub. And he, it was a really, really, really small tub, and Hitch wasn't really small, and he couldn't get out of the tub. So Hoggy and I had to pull and pull and pull. And I tell you, I, I went to um, – I saw a specialist when I got back. <laughs> I've had nightmares for years since. But, yeah, that's true. But the same – same same place in Russia. We played the Russians for it was technically the gold medal game. It was a round robin, but if we beat the Russians, we win the gold. And about three o'clock in the morning, we get a knock on the door, and we played at 11 a.m. the next day. Three o'clock in the morning, we get a knock on the door, and my roommate Kurdog gets up and opens the door, and I hear girls giggling, and I'm like, oh my god! Kurdog goes, brownie, brownie. There's girls at the door, and they're they're saying money for for pleasure money for pleasure and i'm like well yeah he goes what should i say I go Kurdog, we got to play the next morning we got a gold medal game he goes yeah 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 you're right and he turns okay girls tomorrow night tomorrow night. <laughs> 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 of course they never came back because we were underage and that didn't happen <laughs> and hitchcock is still in that bathtub it's so sad <laughs> he's you- only been there for a yeah, he's still there. He gets calls on his cell phone, takes calls. <laughs> Brown, I want to know about, like, what's what's some of the funniest pranks you saw pulled on teammates or maybe a coach at arena or something like that? Well, one of the best I've ever seen was Mark Bergevin, who's the GM now of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, he, like, he was nuts. You'd come in after a game, and you'd put your, we'd have the sandals, the, the dress sandals. You'd slide your feet in, go to take a step, and he'd fall down because he'd glue them to the floor. Or the next day, you'd come <laughs> in there, and your shoes would be stapled to the ceiling. Uh, you cut your ties uh, when you're si- you go in after the game and you go to pull your pants up and you'd have only one leg because you cut the leg off. <laughs> you know, all, all those things. But my favorite one was we used to have the buffets before games. You have all the different foods. At the very end, they used to have this big silver bucket full of ice cream. And they'd always be in little balls. They'd all be scooped in there. And what he would do, he'd get there early. He'd come off the ice early, catch a cab, get there. And he'd go into the back into the kitchen, and he used to have this white margarine. And he'd scoop about five or six balls of margarine in there, and he'd get in there early enough so that the ice cream would start to melt, and it would dribble over top of this margarine. And the, it was always the European guys. 
they would get caught and they'd go in and they'd scoop up the margarine, they'd put it in their bowl, and then they'd get on the chocolate sauce and the sprinkles and the whipped cream, and you'd be sitting with them, and they, the look on their face, like, oh, my God, this ice cream is sour. Like, no, 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 no. Whenever you play in Buffalo, their ice cream tastes a little bit different <laughs> than it does everywhere else. Okay, thanks, Brownie. That's good. And they'd finish, like, an entire block of margarine covered in chocolate sauce. <laughs> So that if Mark Bergman did those all the time, and he was very, very good at it. <laughs> He's not. What about as far as a coach? Did uh, oh. did any Rians play anything on a coach? Um, well, I know that when I was for, with the Hartford Whalers, it was uh, Jimmy Roberts was the coach, and we used to have a rule like, okay, the bus after practice leaves at twelve thirty, and it turned twelve thirty, and there's only five guys on because practice was running late that day. And Pat Verbeek was uh, on the bus, said, all right, Bussy, let's go. And we're like, well, Jimmy, the coach is in here. What do we do? I don't care. We're leaving. We left the coach at the rink. The whole bus went back to the hotel. <laughs> Jimmy Roberts says, oh, my God, was he mad when he got back to the hotel. And every one of us pointed right at Pat Verbeek. It was Pat Verbeek. We don't want to be involved in this one. So, yeah, so they left the coach back at the, at the hotel. The worst prank though I've ever seen was on Jimmy Kite when we were with the Edmonton or playing in Edmonton, and we're at the Western, and Jimmy Kite comes down, and Jimmy Kite was was deaf, and he used to wear hearing aids, and when he didn't want to talk to anybody, he would turn the hearing aids down, and he came, got there was a bus waiting out front, he walked onto the bus, he sat in the back seat, opened up a newspaper, and we we let sit him, he's sitting there, and all of a sudden the rest of the Japanese tourist group that was going to West Emmett Small got on the same bus. <laughs> you know, Jimmy Kite got on the wrong bus. So we had a choice as teammates. We either could go up and say, Jimmy, Jimmy, you're on the wrong bus. Or we could wait 25 years later and tell everybody the story of when we let Jimmy take a tourist bus to West Edmonton Mall Well, we got on the right bus and went to the <laughs> rink. So Jimmy wasn't very happy, and he missed the team meeting because he was quite late by the time he got to West Edmonton Mall, realized he was on the wrong bus, and had to take a cab back to old <laughs> Northland Coliseum. <laughs> Might have been by that time he was trying to uh, punch Dave Brown, who was laying on his back. Maybe he was still frustrated <laughs> from that one. Uh, not, not a great... <laughs> frustration that day too i'm sure that had he caught any of us that day he would have killed us but Robbie, one final one for you. Look for for the orders and you talk about Nugent Hopkins and no one's upset cuz he's creating chances but at what point does you know creating chances and never finishing become someone that now that's what you are as a player or is it just a, a two-year funk who a guy who's basically an 18 goal scorer now the last two years? Well, as an offensive player, it all comes down to chances. And if you're getting chances, you feel that eventually they're going to go in for you. Now, when those chances stop going in for you and you continue to get the chances, well, maybe you aren't what everyone expected you to be. Maybe you are, you know, a 15 to 20 goal scorer, uh, a 40 to 50 point guy. And, you know, it's more and more, I think, the expectations of what R&H was going to be to what R&H is now at. I think they're starting to see more of, He's not that 80-point-a-year guy. Maybe this is R&H. Maybe he's going to be a very good two-way player. It's going to play against the other team's top lines, but he's not going to be more than a 45- to 55-point guy. Uh, the chances are still there, but he doesn't have that top-level finish that we've seen out of a Leon Dreisaitl, out of a Connor McDavid. So uh, maybe this is what he is. And if that's what he is, then, you know what? 
you're happy that you got the guy that can play both ways, but the expectations and the realization are now that he is where he's going to always be because when you're six, seven years into the league, I don't think all of a sudden you now blossom into that 70, 80, 90-point guy. Robbie, great stuff. We appreciate you having on the Real Life Podcast, Gregor, Wanye, and uh, Jason Strudwick, and we'll see you around town soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, guys. Rob Brown, absolute beauty, one oh. of the uh, the best storytellers around. Can we just put a pin in that and talk about how he said the Nuge isn't basically going to turn out to be an 80-point man? Like, is anybody of the big four going to hit their career outlook for what they could have done now? Or do we blow the careers of all four of those players now? Because that really is not living up to the – I mean, he's had a reasonably good last five years, you could argue, but in the playoffs yeah, like, now he's quiet. Yeah, Everly's been very good in his career. Now yeah. we got Rob Brown, 212-point man, being like, oh, maybe the Nuge is a 40-point guy. Yakupov is in – God knows where limbo. Russia. Yeah. Russia next year. And you got Taylor Hall talking about how he's a lottery ball specialist. Like, has there ever been a bigger botching of four players who had that much potential? Well, I don't think Everly's potential is bad, right? Everly's a pretty good score. Uh, now he's now right now he's playing like ter- he's playing like garbage. I don't think there's any debate on that. But it's hard to score continually year after year in the NHL for anybody. Sure. Uh, I think for Nugent Hopkins, it's just a a reframing of what's he going to be. Is he is he a third line guy? Or, you know, a second-line centerman who's not overly productive. That's what it looks like at this point, right? The one element of his game that he can still, I think, massively improve on is his face-offs, mm-hmm. obviously. I think he's got to get stronger, both him and Everly. Like, I think Everly, there, there's not a lot of strength to his game just physically, and I think that's hurting him right now. But when you think about it, it's 2017, and the Oilers are in the second round, and they're up 2-1, and you're talking to yourself in 2013. You're like, which one of the big four is leading the pack? You're like, believe it or not, none of them. That would have been unfathomable to 2013 Gregor sitting in this room. You know, it's funny. I, when, Ralph Kruger is one of the, the, the one of the most interesting guys I ever had to talk to as a coach. I, I really enjoyed having him. And my last year in the NHL was Ralph's, uh, I believe it was his first year as assistant coach. And I'll never forget this. I, w- I was sitting there before a game. It was a game I wasn't dressing for, and I was just kind of hanging out. He comes up and starts talking to me, but, and we're just chatting about hockey and stuff. And he goes, I forget how it came up, but he's saying, you know what, by the time this team gets good, pretty much no one in this organization will be here. And he wasn't saying it because he didn't believe in the management or the coaching staff or the players, but that's a turnover. That's how it happens. And if you look at it now, the only person who's still there is Jordan Eberle. Look at the management, look yeah. at the coaching staff, and that's been six years. Mm-hmm. So, And Ralph Kruger himself isn't here either. So it's a pretty, you know, that's kind of life. You kind of turn over. You're always looking for something more, contract issues and things like that. So, I, I mean, yeah, they haven't been incredible. Uh, those like they have not the success maybe you want, but that is you don't hit on every single player you draft. We'll come back. We'll talk about the draft. No, we won't. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about me going to Anaheim uh, and getting lit. Let's get to <laughs> lit. <laughs> lit. It's like talking to my grandpa and his oh, uncle. Geez. Oh my god! Oh my god. people Let's my see. age say that? You might not. Dude, your old uh, folks home. Uh, no, I, I don't or, think people your age say it. You're just trying god. to be the oh uh, the young god. kids. It's like Strudge's tight jeans and your sayings right now are about the same age as we listen to the Real Life Podcast <laughs> brought to you by Fitting Canada. One point four million parts at your fingertips. Fitting Canada. It's late, and you just finished a full day of work. Your equipment is done for the day, and tomorrow bright and early, you start all over again. You know what you need to keep it running smoothly, but there's not a break in the schedule to make that happen. With over 1.4 million cat parts at your fingertips on parts.cat.com, getting that part just became easier. Any device, anytime, anywhere. 
Get what you need, when you need it. Order today, parks.cat.com. We're back in the Real Life Podcast. Jason Greger, Jason Strudwick, Wanye Gretz, brought to you by Fitting Canada. Parts you need, when you want them. And yes, uh, you were lit in Anaheim. I'll you say were, lit if I well, want to. Listen, uh, I, I, listen I to me. Listen, I'm on a podcast I, with two big celebrities and Rob Brown. I can talk however I want. I can say whatever I want. I if I want to say lit, I'll say lit. I thought you were a fan of suits. Like, you get lit up. Oh, my God. I don't even know what that means. It's like talking to my elderly grandfather and his Civil War Lewis veterans. Lit. He has a His last name is Lit, so he has a mug that says, you got lit up. In what show? Suits. What? I, I've seen that show. I've never seen that mug. Really? You oh, yeah. Really? really? Oh, yeah, buddy. I think it's a classic line. Like, if you watch the show, big corporate lawyer guys and whatever. Right. And when he wins a case, he's kind of like, you got lit up. This is an interesting segue. I can can I do a segue? I mean, I'm lit. I sure. can do a segue. This reminds me of what we were talking about earlier about you leaving TV and how do people watch TV anymore? You're mentioning one of the most popular shows out there. Guy like me, not a lot on the go, should be home every night watching TV. Are people still watching TV anymore? I don't know. Well, but that that show is on uh, I believe it's Fox, isn't it? And then it goes to Netflix after that. That's on USA. Yeah, it's oh USA. Okay, yeah. yeah. So but I mean, it, it's yeah. Well, yeah. I was on a very a fun. It was a lot of fun doing my TV show. But um, you know, just in general, I think people are changing the way they consume TV. It's, I agree. I'm, oh, I'm yeah. not. I'm not uh, I don't think there's any cracking debate the case about that. Here, yeah. Do you remember like back in the day when you would throw out a line like that? Do you know this line from this major TV show? And you could be reasonably assured Dude, like everyone Seinfeld, you're talking to. I can, to, I can right. still quote exactly because back in the day though, you used to Thursday ten o'clock and be like, "Don't call exactly. me. Exactly. Don't talk to me." Seinfeld's on. TGIF is a tot. I would go yeah. and I would watch the entire lineup of TGIF, and then the Monday morning I would go and talk about family matters with the kids well, on the bus. Absolutely, but you look at it. I mean, it used to be you'd go to NBC or CT, whatever it is, you'd watch the show you wanted to watch. Now, I mean, there's all those, but then Netflix, all these types are making their own programs. You got HBO making incredible, like what are they, what are they called? TV shows, but they're not, you know, like Game of Thrones. What'd you call that? What'd you, that genre? Just like made for TV movie, or I don't know. I don't even know what to no, call not, it. But. To me, it's just an, it's like a drama, right? Now it's pretty short because this year I think it's only seven episodes, yeah, which but. really sucks. But I mean, there's all these different places, so. I, I I agree with you. When I was growing up, you'd say, did you watch this show? And the but answer there, was always yes. There's only 13 channels. Exactly. I saw it, for sure. But now, I mean, there's so many channels, so many different movies. There's, people are making TV shows on YouTube. It's really hard to keep up with everything. I see ads for shows now, and it's like, are you watching the Stars Network with a Z? I'm like, how right. do I even get that? Like, what no. kind of device do I, I need to have? Like, my smart toaster pick that up? How does that work? No, that's exactly. And, like, a lot of the way I find out the new shows I'm going to watch are from friends. So you'll say, hey. Why don't you watch uh, whatever dinner TV with Jason Strudwick? Yeah, I mean it's, it's off just, the air. <laughs> no can do. But we, you know, these are all the shows that we would, um, you know, that's how you f- now you find out because yeah. you, you, you cannot keep up with everything. Yeah. I, I've between watching hockey, uh, keeping up with other sports I like, uh, my own kids, uh, you know, trying to keep a relationship with my wife going hot yeah. and heavy. Yeah, I, I can't be sitting at home watching battle. TVs all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean I'm a pretty attractive guy. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> Greg, you're missing all this. Get in on this. Strudwick is calling himself attractive. Uh, oh, trust please, me, I've, le- I've listened to this for ten years. I kind of block out the part when he mentions attractive, and then I just wait till the end about what's happening. <laughs> so once I hear that, then I just steam. know. Okay, I can come back in now. I block. I know I blocked it out. Yeah. Right. So I, I usually I was waiting oh. for that. Okay, I want to. I want to spring. I I wasn't going to bring it up, but you were mean, so I'm going to bring it up. Uh, this weekend at the Alzheimer's tournament, uh, yeah. your uh, lovely wife and your son came to watch, which was really cute. Yeah, and uh, he was watching against the glass, and I was talking to your wife, and she said, "What is with my husband's pants? Can oh my you God. get him a new pair of pants?" And I said, "I I agree." 
It is. Yeah, my hockey pants. The, your hockey pants are about they're probably. Tw- no, honestly, they're not, no, I'm not even making this up. They're 27 years old. Yeah, and they're they're way too big. You never fitted in those. They never. Were, they, were, they were growing they're too not pants. too big. Oh. But you, you've never, they've never been fit properly. There's no padding in them, barely. Honestly, those pants aren't too aren't too big at all around the waist. I barely even have to buckle them up. It's just, but they're they're fraying at the seams, so they look a lot wider. Surprised Gregor isn't running Cooper. I was like, well, if it's good enough for the 1975 Flyers, it's good enough for Jason Gregor. No, but those are those pants are. But you know why? Honestly, I don't play often enough. Yeah. And I went to buy a new pair of pants, and I was like, seriously, like I'm gonna play men's league. I'm not blocking shots. These new pants You'd now never block are like a shot. stormtrooper thing. They're so big and heavy. I was like, I don't need this crap. I'll just keep mine. Very what unlit. I, what I need to buy, though, is I need to just buy a black shell to put over it, and then no one would know the difference. Buddy, they're too big. It looks like you're skating in a barrel. They, I'm, not, I'm saying this as your friend. I'm not even trying to be funny or mean right now. That's what's kind of sad about this. <laughs> I wish I was ripping you. Yeah. But for your birthday, I'm going to buy you a pair of pants that fit properly because those are – even when Matt Sundin made his comeback and he was so chubby, they would have been big <laughs> on Matt Sundin. Uh, but you're not a big guy. That's why maybe they no. don't fit. Maybe you had mentally but built in really blowing have to up and weight. Thing, so that's you know maybe I just think they flare out. Well, there's yeah. a lot of flare. Well, there's something going make, on. Well, I, I walk. It's true. Like it makes me look like a barrel. There's mm-hmm. no doubt. It's not flattering. Yeah. But no. I'm playing. I'm playing rec league hockey. I don't care. It's true. Right. Well, it bothers up, me as I, your friend, and it bothers your wife. So there's two people yeah, well, close to you. Know, and she, not everybody Strads had 17 NHL equipment managers in the league offer them a pair of pants. Right. Like not everybody <laughs> went to every third team in yeah, the league and had all these opportunities you know, to get nice. Strads' managers like, can, can we get him a little bit less loose? Because Strads, we'll look at his jeans today. Yeah. He likes them super tight, painted on. You look fantastic. Tight. Thank you. That's yeah. very nice of you. No say. worries. Um, tight, you have to have long arms though to get those on, so you couldn't wear them. Oh, I have never tied my own shoes. I have a guy. He comes in. I'm like, man, I'd love to, but you see these sticks. You got to get them pre-tied yeah. and slip on. Oh, my God. Oh, so I'm just telling you as a friend. And that's, I'm just. Well, I'll contemplate. No, seriously, I did finally get a new helmet. My helmet was, was uh, 26 years old. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's comfortable, and I like it. So it's hard for me to change. But I know the pants are terrible. Okay. But the problem is now, like. You're I've, known for the pants. No, I've got them sewn oh, up a few times. Sure. They're, they're near the end. Like, I kind of ripped them again on the weekend, and I think that. Uh, because I blew a wheel and almost killed myself going to the boards, which because you know you probably shouldn't play too early on a Saturday after a late Friday night. Is what I <laughs> did you guys get after it? Yeah, sure, oh, sure. Oh, with a question mark at the end. Sure, What's, sure. Is it lit? I don't know. Our good friend Doctor Wang was serving up yes. uh, the China Whites. Oh no! So did you have I, didn't, Bacar- I didn't partake in. China did you have Whites. some Limones? You love a good Limone. Oh, I love Bacardi Limone and water. Oh, God, it's, oh, good it's for so you. much fun. I've oh, seen no. Gregor order Bacardi Limone at bars, and they just look at him like he ordered a glass of pterodactyl juice. Like <laughs> I don't know that we've had that spirit here since 1969. And the thing Hotel is, though, California. that spirit only really—I only started drinking that in like 2007. Really? Yeah. Doctor Wang got me on it. I caught I was you just fully like, in that era. This is fantastic. Yeah. Everybody who comes to my house when I make one and has it, they're yeah. like, oh, my God, this is glorious. It's a nice drink. Oh, it's just very fantastic. rarely yeah. seen. Well, that's the thing. Why Anybody can, hey, uh, can I have a Bud Light? Sure. Yeah. No, it's not hard. Can right? I have a chartreuse dropped in a glass of red wine, the Wanye? That's what you got? No. Who drink that? I used to have a buddy, and our trick was you should try that. You go to the front of the bar, and you would order the other guy the grossest drink you could think of. And we were at a bar one night, and it was like six deep people. And we get to the front, and the lady was so mean. She's like, "What do you guys want?" He's like, "I want a tequila shot dropped in a glass of red wine right now." And she's like, "I don't have time for your bullshit. Nobody drinks that." And he's like, "I want it." And she poured it for him, and he chugged it right at the bar, and there was tears streaming down his face. He's like, "It's perfect," and he walked away. 
That's that is, a drink for people who that's are lit. That's pretty disgusting. That is absolutely yeah, You wouldn't get after that at the Alzheimer's tournament with your old hockey pants. I wouldn't get after. There's certain, you reach a certain point in your life where you know there's just certain things I won't try anymore. So I go, speaking of drunk people, I go to the game in Anaheim. And I'm at this bar across the street from the Honda Center called J.T. Schmitz or something. And everybody in the bar is an Oilers fan. But everybody in the bar is like a 40-year-old affluent Edmontonian who moved to Phoenix. This is the devil. Really? And there was this guy there who was the drunkest man I've ever seen in my life. Very well-intending, very nice, very kind guy, very drunk. And security kicked him out, and he ran around the bar, and he got back into the bar. This guy's like 50. And so he's like, I can't get a drink. I got thrown out of here. Can you buy me a drink? Yes, of course, I'll buy you a beer. Here you go, random stranger. This other guy comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, thanks for being really nice to my friend. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's a pretty drunk guy. He's like, he's my dentist, actually. He's a really good dentist, though. Like, man, your dentist is drunk. I would not recommend he touch your teeth. He's a dentist here in the city? Yeah, I I don't know if he's here, there, where he was from, but he's the drunkest dentist I've ever seen, hands down. What's the vibe? Is there a lot? Because you were at both games down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it exciting? Amazing. It was a great time. There were so many Oilers fans down there. They were just like, it's time to live again. And everybody was so happy and drunk and dentist. Let's bring it back to here. I want to know what your thoughts are. As a fan, Milan Lucic, Josh Manson. Yeah, he's a coward, Manson. What is that? What? I thought. No? Skating away from Lucic in the middle of the game? Was that what you were talking about? Right behind the net after after the uh, stop. Yeah, Manson was the one who asked Lucic to go. Well, well, this may be a different thing. Because in the middle of the game, I watched Lucic try and skate away from Manson. But as the game went on, it got a little blurrier for me. Which game are you talking about still left? Yeah, last, last game, game. Yeah. Uh, behind the, the net. The, no, oh, no, 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 no. This no, is early, early, early in the, game. In the, uh, okay. in the Just before the orders made it three to one. It was okay. three nothing. It was behind the net. And man, well, Struds, you thought Manson said, "Hey, let's go," and Lucic didn't. Uh, didn't. Oh, I thought I saw Lucic trying to go Manson. He was no. away. I, I feel one hundred percent that that was what happened. I felt that uh, Manson challenged Lucic. They're down three nothing. Interesting. And I, I think that's a fight uh, that you have to take if you're Lucic. You're you're a, a emotional leader on the team. Uh, the fans would go crazy. It'd probably be a good fight. And I think that's a, at that time in the game, you can't go away from that fight. And Josh Manson, he's not a third-pairing guy. He's a top-pairing guy right now, or top four, let's say, whatever you want to call it. That's a fight you can't skate away with. So I, I would expect if that opportunity were to come again, you might see Lucic not walk away from it. I have, like, an entirely different memory of this incident. In fact, I recall tweeting, like, Manson, you're a coward. This yeah. is the turning point of my life. And A lot of people did. And I, 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 I know a lot, a lot of Oilers fans. I think just assumed that, well, he's going to walk away from Lucic because a lot of older fans don't know how tough Josh Manson is he's tough. And, uh, and how willing he is yeah. at that point. Well, that's and what depending, me and it I depends at was... the angle you were sitting at in the yeah. building, honestly. If you were at the opposite end, yeah. behind the net, then it looks like Manson, but you probably don't see his hands and, and the motion and, and the facial expressions. Yeah. Like He was like, yeah, you want to go? And Strudge has been in that situation numerous yeah. times. Yeah, yeah, of course. I've seen it. Yeah. I, I tell you, but you know what? It's And it's not that I think Lucic is scared of Manson. Don't, don't misunderstand me at all. That's not the case, but I think that he maybe felt this was a time to make it not to do it. I, I think it is for him that time. So be, when we were convened next week, yeah. are the Oilers, are we going to game seven? Uh, is it a done in six? The done Ducks and six. Or the Oilers? Oilers? Who's winning? Oilers in six. I said at the beginning, I think the Ducks win, and I think this one goes deep. I, I, the Ducks are feeling good about themselves right so you're now. You're saying it'll be, uh, we'll be previewing a game seven, or I will do, the Oilers? I, you know, yes. I don't, the Oilers aren't losing four in a row. No, no, no I think yeah. it's going to game seven. I, I tell going you, the Ducks could have won game two. They could have won game one. They won game three. Big game Wednesday. Should be fun, boys. Thanks, as always. One day, Jason Strudwick, Jason Greger. Real Life Podcast brought to you by Fitting Canada. The right parts for your equipment. Fitting Canada. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.